Lord, we thank you for your presence here in this place, Lord. We ask that you'd speak your word to us. Uh, Father, um, may you use me. I ask, Lord, that you would use me as a conduit to speak to each person that would hear the word of God today. And we give you the thanks in advance for what you're going to do, Lord. We thank you for moving in our midst, Lord. We thank you for encouraging us today. We thank you for loving us today, Lord. And we just give you thanks that this is the day that you have made. In Jesus' name, we praise you. And we thank you, Lord. And anybody who loves him, can you say amen? amen? Even if you don't go to church, let me get one more good amen. There we go. Hey, before you're seated, high five two or three people and just tell them God is good. Amen. And once you have done that, yeah, there you go. Go ahead and be seated. Once again, if you're joining us uh, here in the flesh or if you're joining us online, we're so glad that you guys are with us today. And um, hey, we are, uh, we, we are in a series that we're kind of, it's like a hybrid because we have been in a series of exceeding expectations, but we're starting to move over into uh, a message about the goodness of God today. And so um, we're just glad that you're here. You came at the perfect Sunday to come to church. All right, is anybody ready for the word? All right. Hey, um, so, you know, growing up, I, uh, my mother and I, it was just the two of us for a long time. So I kind of came up with the single mama for many, many years. And a lot of you here at Gen Life already know that. But as a result of coming up with a single mother, um, we always seem to live in these really small houses and apartment complexes. So whether it was growing up in grandma's basement in Long Island, that was a really small spot, or living above a deli in Jersey City on one of the busiest avenues in all of, all of Jersey City, or even moving down to Florida, or when we lived in Fayetteville, we had a really small house. Whatever house we had that my mother rented or mortgaged was always a really small house. And I'm not, I'm not a, you know, complaining about that. I thank God for how I was raised. I thank God that I had a mother who worked hard Hard. Anybody's mama's ever worked hard? You better throw a hand up if she is in the building, right? Uh, I was just so grateful and thankful, and I'm not complaining at all. That was just my experience. And even when Katie and I got married, any house that we rented or owned really wasn't, you know, wasn't really that big. And then we moved to Wake Forest, and we bought low and kind of sold high. Like, we came in when the market was really like, I guess you would say, down, but it was like really average. And then we had that boom. And Katie got back into real estate when we came down and she's been doing real estate for like 20 years. And so she comes to me after about two years of having this little house that we had. And she said, and this market right now, if we were to sell this house, we could pay off this thing. We could pay off all of our debt and we could put down a significant down payment for a house about three times this size. I was like, oh, okay, let's do this. So we go and tour this house on the other side of Wake Forest when we were living there at the time. And as we're riding through the neighborhood, I'm looking at this place and I'm like, this is like the biggest neighborhood and the biggest house I've ever lived in in my whole life. Like, so we pull up to it and I'm like, you know what, man? 
I don't even know if I want to go up there. You know, it's this big house up on a hill. I'm like, you know, I don't even think we should take a tour. And she's like, why not? I was like, man, you know, we're, we're not going to be, it's impossible to get this house, right? Have you ever had something that was just too good to be true? And you're like, I just know, I, you know this isn't going to work. And so she's like, well, let's just go see. So we had invited a couple to come with us and we go up and we go up into this house. And as we're walking through this house, I'm looking at this thing and I'm like, man, this is, this is significant. And so as I was sitting there, we were kind of crunching numbers and I'm starting to see that the impossible might actually be possible. And so I'm kind of taking it all in at one time and I'm like, wow. So I said to, to everybody, I said, hey, I'm gonna go outside for a second. I just wanna check things out. They're like, you want us to come? I said, no, 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 let me, let me just go by myself. I kind of need to take a breather because I needed to go talk to God. So we step outside and I'm checking this thing out. It's got an in-ground swimming pool. Never had that in my whole life. Like, I don't even know if I ever swam in an in-the-ground swimming pool unless, you know, somebody invited me over. We're, I'm looking at a basketball court in the driveway that, that's already built, and I'm like, man, okay. And then we got this deck that we can have people over and barbecue, and, and I'm like, we can put, like, the whole church out here. This place is incredible. This house that I so desperately wanted my wife to be able to have. And so as I'm taking it all in, I stood there for a moment, and I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, are you saying that we can have this house? Like for real? Like, like for real, for real. Like we can actually have this house? And I will say that God did bless us with that house. In fact, I'll say he gave us an overnight blessing. I don't know if you've ever experienced an overnight blessing of God in your life. I'm talking about when you go to sleep one way and God changes some things while you're sleeping and you wake up and your situation is changed for the better overnight. And we were able to pay off our house. We were able to come out of debt entirely and we were able to walk away with some money in the bank and God is good. Now I will say God was good when we lived in the small house. He was still good, and God was good when we lived in the big house, right? God was good when we were in debt, and God was good when he brought us out of debt, and God was still good. In fact, if we were in the old school church, I would say something along the lines of God is good, and the church would say, and all the time, ah, you guys are old school like that, I didn't know. So here was the faith challenge, though. The faith challenge was that, it wasn't that I didn't think that God was good. Like I always knew God was good. It's just that I did not believe that I was good enough to receive that level of blessing from God in my life. And chances are, if you're here, you probably have felt that same way at some point in time in your life. I don't have to ask for a show of hands. I don't need you to type it in the chat online. Most of, the, of us in here, regardless of where you're at, probably have felt that some way based upon how good we are, that we're only afforded a certain level of goodness in our lives based upon how good we are. And if we're doing really well morally, well, then Jesus loves us. But if we're doing poorly, well, you know, God is just kind of like tolerating us. When in reality, goodness is just one of God's attributes. God is just good. 
attributes as it relates to the character of God. It's, it's in his nature. It's who he is. God is just good. Here's another one of his attributes. God is sovereign. That means he's the boss. That means he's in charge. That means he, he is God of all, Lord of all. He, he's boss of, of your boss, your boss's mama. Like he's boss of everybody. You know what I mean? Like God is in charge. And so because he is all the way good and because he's all the way sovereign, that means God doesn't need your permission to be able to bless you. He doesn't need your permission to be able to promote you. God doesn't need your permission to be able to prosper you. God can do whatever he wants to do whenever he gets ready to do that. And he can do that because he's God. So if God allows his goodness to come upon your life, he doesn't need to take a vote. He doesn't need to ask what others think about you before he does it. God can bless you the way he desires to bless you. And he can do it because he is God. And beside him, there is no other. So regardless of where you may be at, whether you are at the highest of highs in your life or at the lowest of lows in your life, I want to make a declaration over your life today, and I want to give you the title of this message all in the same breath, and it is, God is still just that good. Mm-hmm. Boy, I feel like I'm preaching better than you taught. That's all right. Hey, so... <laughs> So we are in part, I would say, seven of this Exceeding Expectations series. And here's the goal today. The goal today is that I'd be able to not pay too much attention to this microphone. Should I grab a handheld microphone? We're good? Okay, good. I feel like it's popping, but that's okay. Um, and here's the other goal. That's really important. <laughs> and that is you would walk away today with a greater understanding of the goodness of God in your life. You know, I'm a passionate preacher. And so I would today, though, rather you feel as though you have been helped out instead of hyped up today. I would appreciate if you would be able to walk away feeling though as you have been edified instead of being entertained. I would rather you feel that you have a greater understanding of the goodness of God in your life and would be convinced of it as opposed to feeling condemned by the scriptures before you leave here today or before you check out online. Are you ready for the word today? One of the reasons why I think it's so difficult for us to believe God to exceed expectations in our lives is because we look at the challenges of life that we go through and we assign them and categorize them in our minds as absolutes. Absolutes as in defined by Oxford uh, is complete or definite. And so when looking at natural circumstances in our lives, we make absolute statements and we discount the supernatural ability of God to do the impossible in our lives. And so we say things like, I will never be healed in my body. Well, that's an absolute statement. Like, I will never be able to come out of debt. Well, that's an absolute statement. Or, or I will never be able to be married again. Or I will never have godly children. Or I'll never get out of this neighborhood. Or I'll never be able to get on that team. I'll never be able to get into that college. Well, that's an absolute statement when in reality, how do you know? Right. 
You're not God. <laughs> God is the only entity that is able to originate absolute statements because God is the only entity who is absolutely absolute. <laughs> and God will have the final say in your life. In fact, let me give you some scriptures to help you out for, uh, for this faith stretch that I'm taking you on. Hebrews 11 and verse 3 says, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. That is a lot down in there, but that'd be like God walking up and, and saying, hey, um, the, the New York Giants are going to clinch their division and play in the Super Bowl today. Well, he didn't say that, of course. That's why I'm up here with the jersey and my team lost. Secondary team lost, right? He, he didn't say that, and, and because he didn't say that, it didn't happen. And they probably could have used a little bit more help on that offensive line, you know what I mean? Help my man Barkley, poor guy, two yards, a carry or whatever, and man's just, anyway. Pray for the New York teams, man. Just show some love somehow. But he didn't say that. But you understand what I'm saying? But, but if God would have said it, it would have had to have happened. Even if it weren't true, if God were to say it, it would have to happen because of the creative power of God's word alone. The scripture lets us know that he spoke it and it came into being. In fact, let me give you some points today to help you and to encourage you in the goodness of God before we jump down into our scripture today. Point number one, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. I want you to also type these things in the chat so that people who come behind you will be able to see them. Point number one, you guys good? Everybody good? All right, anybody mad? All right, all right, good, amen, we're good. Point number one. Let me encourage you with God's goodness today. God's goodness exceeds our lack of provision. God's goodness exceeds our lack of provision. So, so Jesus, consider his disciples. They're in the wilderness. They've got two fishes and five loaves of bread. Yet Jesus multiplies them and feeds 5,000 people because God's goodness exceeds our lack of provision. In the book of Exodus, they ran out of water and began to complain and God hydrated his people with water from a rock. In John chapter number three, they ran out of drink, so Jesus turns water into wine and fed the whole party, right? In John 21, they fished all night and didn't catch any fish. Jesus said, put your nets on the other side of the boat. And when they pulled them up, they had so much that they had to share what they had with others because God's goodness exceeds our provision. In Genesis chapter three, Satan tricked Adam and Eve to partake of the forbidden fruit resulting in a spiritual death. But God in his goodness said, because I love them so much, I'm going to send my son to die on the cross for mankind's sin so that they will have the ability to be able to have eternal life. You understand what I'm saying? God's goodness exceeds our lack of provision. God's got a billion ways to bless you. Let me give you this second point. Number two, God's goodness exceeds our personal conviction. God's goodness exceeds our personal conviction. 
So God's goodness as it relates to the attributes of God is probably one of the most mentioned attributes in all of scripture is the goodness of God. We got songs, I will sing of the goodness of God. God, you're so good. You just keep, you can Google it and you will look through and just see so much information on the goodness of God. It's the most mentioned attribute in all of scripture. But at the same time, it's also one of the most misunderstood attributes in all of the scriptures as it relates to the character of God because God is good. Uh -huh. And all the time? Try it one more time. God is good? And all the time? So God is good. Here's another attribute of God. Though he has many, God is also holy. So God is all the way good, and at the same time, he is all the way holy. In fact, he desires us to live a life that is holy. In fact, he commands us to live a life that is holy. Holy or holiness as it relates to our lives is striving to live a life without sin, striving to stay away from sin, striving to keep your life holy before God. In fact, God commands us to be holy. <laughs> I just wanted to take you on a journey from uh, me going all the way up from teens into 22 years old. And I remember when I was in church and I first heard that word command, you know, I was kind of had a chip on my shoulder. And so I was like, command? Oh, hold on a minute. <laughs> you must not understand. Like, Lord, I don't, I don't do commands. You know what I mean? Like, nah, I don't. Yeah, we don't, we don't do commands all that, all that. But no, nobody's going to tell me what to do. You know what I'm saying? Like, I run my life. I, this is me out here. I, I, I make my own decisions. I'm my own man. And as if God were like, oh, oh, my bad. Oh, oh, I didn't know. I didn't know you. You're big time. Oh, okay. I must have got you confused with somebody else. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I, I didn't know that. Maybe I should have said suggestion instead of command. Oh, okay. I didn't, I didn't realize that you run your own life. Like, oh, okay. I got you. I got you. Well, since you can't get down with the word command, and since you don't want to live a life according to the the rules and the and the parameters and the, the things that I've told you to do, why don't you go ahead then, and since you're such a bad man, go ahead and do it yourself. Go ahead and take five years doing it your way. See how that works out for you. Go, in fact, go ahead and take 10 years of suffering consequences because you felt like you needed to run your own life. Go ahead and take 20 years of doing it the way you feel like you want to do it, of worth of pain and agony as a result of foolish decisions. Go ahead and do your own thing. And when you get sick and tired of being sick and tired, the goodness of God is still going to be available to you. Mm. In fact, God, I'll raise you one. God said, you know what? I'm going to allow my goodness because it is so good. Even while you're living in sin, I'm still going to let the goodness of God be, be made available to you. Even though you, you, you're not trying to live holy, even though you're trying to live a life apart from me, even though nobody can tell you anything, he said, I'm still not going to leave you. I'm still not going to forsake you. I'm still not going to give up on you. But I got to warn you, it's a cold world out there, baby. I got to let you know it's going to be hard and life will get challenging. But when you finally come to your senses, the goodness of God is still going to be waiting on you because God is still just that good. 
because God desires for us to be brought to repentance. Repentance means to say, Lord, you know what? Man, I've been doing it this way, and, and I no longer want to live my life for me. I want to be free of this sin in my life. And repentance means to turn from that and to say, okay, from now on, you're God of my life. You are Lord of my life. I'm going to do it your way. I might not be perfect. I might mess up, but I'm striving to live a life for you away from sin. So Romans 2 and verse 4 says this, or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? Now watch this quote from C.S. Lewis. He said, God allows us to experience the low points of life in order to teach us lessons that we could learn in no other way. Oh my. So although God is all the way good, yet God is all the way holy. And he's saying, listen, he's not going to leave behind his attribute of holiness just so that you can do your own thing and be like, yeah, God is good, right? He's not going to leave behind his attribute of holiness just so that you can drink yourself to death. He loves you too much for that. Oh my goodness, I better bite my tongue. He, he's not going to leave behind his attributes of being holy just so that you can live a life of pleasure that's ultimately going to lead to your demise just to keep it G-rated on a Sunday. He's not going to leave behind the fact that he is holy just so that you can do your own thing because he loves you too much to just let you do your own thing. No father in their right mind wants to see their child have to suffer from foolish consequences. They would rather try to do everything they possibly could to steer them in the right direction. Oh, I didn't. I, should, I thought I was going to get some more amens than that. That's okay. That's all right. <laughs> now you might be sitting there thinking, well, well, if God is so good, and we're talking about all this freedom, then why doesn't He just leave me alone? Like, why don't you just let me do my own thing? You know, like, like, Lord, why don't you just take off the commandments and kind of put those things to the side? That way we could be free. Man, it would be fun. Would we be able to party? We'd be able to do our own thing. Man, that would be awesome. God, why do you got to be all in my business? And I'll tell you why. Because God loves you too much to just let you do your own thing. Because God is still just that good. Mm. Come on, say that with me. God is still just that good. Come on out, fellas. Come on out, gentlemen. I wanted to take you on a personal journey. This might not be relevant to you, but this is relevant to me because I want to show you how I felt the way the Lord used the goodness of God in my life and allowed me to experience the goodness of God. And yep, come on and turn over this way just a little bit more in my life. Now, my experience might not be the same as your experience. There we are right there, fellas. But here is what I found. Oh, those are good acoustics up in this thing. <laughs> Here's what I found, that, that while living in sin, which is a life apart from God, that every pain and every consequence that I ever had to go through as a result of poor decisions, 
or as a result of rejecting God's counsel and rejecting God's will. In the midst of the pain and the consequences that I had to face, I found that the goodness of God had surrounded me my whole life. Oh, sometimes you got to learn the hard way, and that was the case with me. You know, is anybody out there hard-headed? I'm sorry, you don't have to put your hand up. Yeah, I got a couple like, oh yeah, you know that's a for real hard-headed person right there. Uh Uh-huh. (laughs) Here's what I found. Like, every time I drove the car while impaired, I found myself having to suffer the consequences, especially when I was 16 years old and I got T-boned after having drinking all day long and the car flipped over and I landed face down on the concrete and glass and had to crawl out with blood on glass on my arms and on my hands. I found myself thinking, man, I guess I better not do that again. I'm kind of closed in on this side. And every police encounter that I ever had, and and the police coming to the house at 2.30 in the morning to wake my parents up, or the time that I was face down, surrounded by deputy sheriffs in Florida at gunpoint saying, move and we're going to shoot. And I thought, oh my gosh, I I guess I probably shouldn't do this. To the time I was always in the wrong place at the wrong time. To the time that I almost overdosed on drugs. To the time that I almost drank myself to death, to the times that I was in situations and to keep it G-rated on a Sunday where people would begin to shoot guns and I'm sitting there right in the midst, to the time I had a gun put to my own head and the trigger was pulled and the bullet didn't come out by God's grace. And I thought, man, maybe, maybe I shouldn't be doing that anymore. And after situation after situation, I realized that I had been surrounded by the goodness of God my whole life and God is still just that good. Thank you, gentlemen. Come on in a little closer. Come on in a little closer. There we are. And maybe, maybe you're here today and the circumstances of your life feel like the walls are closing in. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe it's, maybe it's children and you're going through it with them. Maybe, maybe it's your job or a spouse or relationships. Come on in a little closer, fellas. And sometimes it seems like, man, when you're going through life, you can almost seem like you're trapped. And this isn't just for people who are going through it financially or who are struggling or who are at the bottom of the barrel right now, so to speak, in their lives. Maybe this is for those who are at the top of their game. I have found that you can have the walls of life surrounding you, whether you have, you are in concrete walls and an iron gate in a prison cell, or you can be in the most expensive concrete walls with a golden gate in your neighborhood, and you could still feel like the walls of life have closed in. And when you feel like this and you got nowhere else to go, the only thing you could do is look up, look up, call out to God and say, God, I need you to move in my life. I need the goodness of God in my life and realize that the goodness of God has been surrounding you your whole life. Come on, somebody put their hands together and bless God. All right, fellas, I'm starting to get claustrophobic up in this thing. (laughs) Thank you, thank you. Can we show some love to our volunteers, everybody? Making it happen. 
God is still waiting for you with open arms, regardless of what you may have done in your past, what you may be doing in your present, and I will say, even what you may do in your future. God still desires for his goodness to lead you to repentance because God's goodness exceeds our personal conviction. Let me land a plane with this third one, number three. God's goodness exceeds our comprehension. Oh my goodness, this is mind blowing. Daniel chapter number four, verses one through three. If you're just new here to Gen Life, we did a 21 day Daniel fast where we, um, we ate skinny. I gotta say, we ate skinny, we were hungry, and we prayed, and we sought God, and, and God moved in our lives, and it was pretty awesome. Um, but this was the passage of scripture that we were in. We were looking at Daniel chapter number uh, one, two, and three, and this is just verse uh, chapter number four. And and I wanted to read something about this king. His name was Nebuchadnezzar, one of the greatest kings in all the lands. Didn't really have need for much at all. And God ministered to his life. And the scripture says in uh, chapter number one, uh, chapter number four, verses one, Nebuchadnezzar the king, this is him talking. He said, to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. He said, I thought it good to declare the signs and wonders that the most high God has worked for me. How great are his signs and how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation. This was an ungodly, unholy king. And we saw as we studied that God allowed war to happen. Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon invaded Israel, destroyed them, overtook them, and took back many of the teenagers and a lot of Daniel and his friends' countrymen so that they could be trained. And what God did, we said, the reason why he allowed it to happen is because God actually strategically, without war, without violence, without weapons, he invaded the country of Babylon through these young boys because of how they lived their lives for God. He made his name known throughout the Babylonian kingdom. Even when you look at the Christmas story, you see that the Babylonian wise men came over. That's because Daniel and them had an impact in that nation so many years prior. And so I thought, wow, that is really, really awesome. But you know, here's another reason why God allowed that to happen. Even though this king was ungodly, even though these people were unholy, God still allowed his name to be made known to these people because God loved them too. God loved them too, even though they were ungodly, even though they didn't care nothing about God, God still loved them too and allowed his goodness to be made known to them so that they would turn their lives and give their hearts and their lives to God. The goodness of God leads us to repentance. Here's another attribute of God. He's omniscient or omniscient, however you like to say it, which means he's all-knowing. And God knew in his foreknowledge that we wouldn't be able to live a holy life without him. He knew that we would live a life of sin without him. We, he knew we needed him. And there is a story in the scriptures in Genesis where Adam and, Adam and Eve 
they, they disobeyed God and they partook of the forbidden fruit. I've even heard people try to deny the story, the, even the, the account in Genesis. And I'm like, yeah, you see your Apple phone, right? There's a bite out of that thing, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. So it's in there. And, and even Apple believes um, that that story took place, right? And so God knew that sin separates us from God. And so what he did in his goodness is he said, I'm going to send my son to pay the price for their sin so that we can restore the relationship between God and mankind. And when you repent of sin and receive Christ, God allows his son and his spirit to come into your life. And the goodness of God leads us to repentance. So that you could be forgiven of your sin, empowered to live for him, and you could be on the team that wins. That's almost a ball right there. It's not the greatest, but it's almost one. Whose team are you on this morning? Are you on the winning team today? Because believe it or not, you're on somebody's team. Whose team are you on today? You know, when you have Christ in your life, I will say, there is a greater level of confidence, not arrogance, but confidence that comes when you know you're on the winning team. We got athletes in the room. I can tell you, they have an understanding of what it's like to know when you're about to win. Like, there's a different mentality when you come out on the court and you know that it's a team that is really, really good and you're a little bit nervous because they got maybe some commits on that team and you're like, man, I don't know. Hopefully we're going to try to come together. We're going to try to do this thing, right? That's one mentality. Another mentality is when you come out on the court and you just know you're going to win. The Orange High School um, basketball team played a team once called the Unicorns. Uh, and um, they, I'm, it's a, like a science school, I think, math and science school. And I got to put hats off to them, right? Like they came out and they played hard. I was impressed. Like there were some three-point shots and there were some good teams. But, but it's real, real hard for them to like come out and, and appear real tough because first their name was the Unicorns. <laughs> Right? And then what was kind of crazy is like when they came out, the score box started playing My Little Pony. And they came out like, let's go! And they, My Little Pony! And I'm like, I don't care how hard you try to be. Like, I don't care how tough you try to look or confident. When you are the unicorns coming out to My Little Pony, it's real hard to convince us in the stands. And I'm sure it's hard to convince the athletes on the court. And so I think they hung up, what, 102 in that game on them? And I was just like, man. But they played like they were ready to win. They came out confident. I mean, there may even been a couple of dunks out there. I mean, it was like, it was a clinic and, and, and shout out to them. They came out and they did their thing, but it's a whole different ball game when you come out and you know that you're going to win. I want to tell you today that when you have Christ in your life, you are on the winning team. And he desires to allow his goodness to be made known to you today, ultimately so that you will come into a relationship with him. So let me ask you all, everybody, if you would close your eyes and just bow your heads for a moment. And I want to ask you today, whose team are you on? Have you received Jesus as Lord of your life? Have you repented of your sin? and said, you know what, Lord, I want to surrender my life to you today. I want to give you my life. I, I want you to be Lord of my life today. 
If that's you, I just want to ask you, just right where you are, I'm not going to call you out or anything like that, but I'm going to say a prayer. And if you would like to, you can repeat that prayer because we're going to ask Christ to forgive us of sin and to come into our lives. And so many of you have already said this prayer before. Many of you have already done this. And so if that's you, I just want to encourage you to repeat after me. Well, let's go before the Lord. Heavenly Father, I come before you in the name of Jesus by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me for all of my sin. Lord, I need you in my life. I'm asking that you would allow me to be forgiven, that you would come into my heart and into my life, and that you would be Lord over all in my life. In Jesus' name. Lord, I believe that you died. Jesus, I believe that you were buried. And I believe that you rose again on the third day. Jesus, I can't do this without you. Be my Lord and be my Savior. And I want to give you thanks now for saving me today. In Jesus' name, I give you thanks, Lord. Thank you for your spirit in my heart and in my life. Thank you for saving me from hell, from damnation, and even from my own self. Thank you for the power to live for you. It's in your name we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, put your hands together. Hey, if you prayed that prayer today, if you prayed that prayer today, the scripture lets us know that if you meant that in your heart, that you truly confess Christ as Lord, you repented of sin and confess Christ as Lord, what happens is there's something that takes place. There is a transfer that the Holy Spirit comes into your life. This is the start of a relationship with God. Now, now it's time to begin to live your life for him and to say, Lord, each and every day, show me how to live for you. We've got a great church here. Hopefully you have a church in your life. If, if you prayed that prayer, come see us. Stop by the orange tent or come back to church. We've got ways to be able to help you in your walk with Christ. So you got a fresh start today though. It's a new beginning for you. If Christ has come into your life, the scripture says, he who is free is free indeed. And so we're grateful to have you guys today. Hey, um, would you please stand to your feet for a moment? I wanna resource you guys with one last thing before I step away and I'm gonna close the iPad so you know I mean business. I want you to be able to experience the goodness of God in your life on a daily basis. And so I just wanna give you three ways to do that. <laughs> I'm not gonna give you three points or anything, but three things. Before you go to sleep, write down three things that you're thankful for. Write down three things that you're thankful for. Even if you don't write them down, think them to yourself. Before you go to sleep, think of three things. God, I'm thankful for you, Lord Jesus, that you saved me today. Lord, I'm thankful for my family. Lord, I'm thankful for what you've blessed me with. It doesn't have to be the same three things each day. But every single night before you go to sleep, let the Lord know that you're thankful for three things. 
that'll allow the goodness of God to constantly be in your heart so that you can realize no matter what you go through in life, the goodness of God has surrounded you and you are surrounded by his love. God bless you. Let's worship, fam.